Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about how the world might get along by taking a tip from scientists. We weigh the merits of the tiny apartment fad. We wonder what time it is on the moon. We expose how Chinese male models are showing up in ladies' underwear. And we report on how an innocent gift resulted in a fish invasion in Japan. The Old Dog's conversation is with Nanette Florian, a famous singer in the 60s. Her struggles with hearing loss led her to create a new format for listening to music. Stay with us. Well, hey there, Paul. What are you thinking today? Well, I, I was thinking, do I still have 10 fingers? I was <laughs> counting them, you know. What were idle, you counting them with? Idle thinking. No, just joking. What I was thinking about, we got a pod nugget in today's episode about scientists having to get together and resolve the issue of what time do they want on the moon. Yeah. And uh, uh, they were very confident. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll work this out because we'll come up with a solution that's practical, that makes sense. And right. then yeah. it got me thinking, why doesn't the world try to resolve disagreements practically in a way Is, that makes sense? That's a really good question. You know, there's Russian uh, astronauts on board the space station. Right. They get along famously with everybody else in the space station, even though... Uh, you know, we're at odds with Russia down here on the planet. So it's like a different mentality. It's a problem to be solved as opposed to a problem to fight over. Do you uh, know what I mean, Jolly Bean? Yes, yes, I do know what you mean. And that's really fascinating because who are the decision makers in each case? If you're talking about problems to be fought over, who are the ones that are making those decisions about fighting over things? Well, that seems to be the prevailing uh, mode of operation in the world of politics. Politics, right. It's very, very positional, huh? and it's a zero-sum game. Uh, if you win, I lose, and I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about leaders, right? Leaders are making these decisions for us uh, with a lot of, let's say, emotional input from their constituents. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. But scientists yeah. don't have constituents as such. You're right. Scientists don't don't have a constituency. Uh, what they do have is is peers, and they're very used to peer review. And it's okay if you find something wrong with uh, my theory. Good. Let's come up with a better one. It's a whole different way of approaching uh, disagreements. So. Did we solve anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, politicians don't have the same protocol. You know, like the, the old uh, Indian circles where you would pass the pipe and the person who had the pipe would, I'm just maybe making this up, the person <laughs> who had the pipe would be the one who spoke. You've watched they, too many Westerns, I think. <laughs> I like the idea, though. And then when you're done, you say, okay, I'm done now. You can have my pipe and, and you can speak. But in... In these political situations, there is no passing of the pipe. They're going to say, I have the floor, and I'm not going to yield the floor. 
So basically, the, the way that they reach solutions in the political world is flawed and uh, tends to breed a lot of ill will. Well, I have a solution to all of that, Paul. It's a very simple solution. You uh, pass, I would expect nothing more from you. You pass out pipes to everyone in Congress. Everybody gets a pipe. Oh, so they talk at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In Tokyo, living small is big because real estate is expensive. The trend for micro apartments may have reached its limit with 95 square foot units. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for October 3rd, 2022. The units are half the size of an average studio apartment in Tokyo. They have 12 foot ceilings and a loft for sleeping. With some efficient arranging, it is possible to squeeze in a washing machine, a fridge, a sofa, and a work desk. Yeah, you're squeezing. <laughs> These micro-apartments are obviously not designed for a family of four. Over two-thirds of the people in these units are in their 20s and single. The small spaces work for the lifestyle of many young Japanese who tend to work long hours and mostly need a place to sleep. The obvious disadvantage to living small is a lack of storage space. Or maybe it's an advantage. As one resident explained, small living has helped me think twice whenever I want to buy something. The equivalent in this country is the tiny house movement, where the average size of the house is about 150 square feet. Ooh, snug. Mm. This also is not for everyone. We've covered this topic before. I do not want a micro-apartment or a tiny house. Well, I agree. Sorry, Marie Kondo. All my stuff gives me joy. I'm not interested in downsizing, right-sizing, or any sizing. My method is simple. I get rid of stuff when I start tripping over it. What do you think? Yeah, it works, works for me. All right. Well, the moon is soon going to get very crowded. Several countries are planning lunar expeditions, which raises an interesting problem. What time is it on the moon? This pod nugget is from the New York Times for March 7th, 2023. For decades, lunar missions have operated on the time of the country that launched them. Now, this was okay when the U.S. had the only lunar missions. But with other countries in the mix, the European Space Agency have judged the current system is unsustainable. The obvious advantage to sharing one time standard is that communication with all lunar parties is much simpler. Precise timekeeping is key to navigation on Earth, and it's also key to navigation between the Earth and the Moon. One of the questions that's still to be settled is whether lunar time is set on the Moon or synchronized with Earth. Time on Earth is precisely tracked by atomic clocks. Ah, but that same process on the moon runs faster, gaining about 56 microseconds per day. <laughs> and I'll bet you never even noticed yeah, that. Yeah, but I'll bet it adds up. Well, this is the kind of thing that scientists worry about and eventually resolve. Once the lunar time zone is agreed upon, the process will be helpful for future exploration to Mars, where a similar time issue will require agreement. Since I have no plans to leave this planet, I trust this problem can be solved without my involvement. Thank goodness. China is a highly regimented country. They're quick to censor anything that might corrupt their values. 
like women modeling lingerie. Hmm. This pod nugget is from CNN for March 8th, 2023. Several Chinese businesses that specialize in selling lingerie through live streaming have had sessions cut short by censors offended by female models in undies. Some creative thinking was required to get around the Internet's censorship. Well, the Chinese are nothing if not resourceful. If women in lingerie is considered decadent, then male models in lingerie should solve the problem. The emergence of male models and female underwear has gotten mixed reviews from laughter to annoyance. Live streaming of products for sale is a multi-billion dollar business in China. It is not surprising that some creative workarounds would be tried. As one entrepreneur explained, So what should I do if I want to promote and showcase lingerie in a live broadcast session? It's very simple. Find a man to wear it. Male models weren't the only attempted solution. Some female models continued to showcase lingerie, only this time the lingerie was on top of a modest t-shirt. Other streaming ads featured the offending underwear on mannequins. There are no sales figures available comparing the effectiveness of male models versus the female models with t-shirts versus the lingerie-clad mannequins. But one can imagine that all three options are equally unpopular. It all seems like a tempest in a t-shirt. You know we can only hope that none of these male lingerie models decide to run for office. Boy, those unintended consequences seem to pop up more and more often. This time the occasion was a gift of some fish. This pod nugget is from the National Geographic for January 11th, 2022. It was October 3rd, 1960, and Crown Prince Akihito of Japan was visiting Chicago. The prince was a passionate ichthyologist, and so Mayor Daly gifted him with 18 bluegills, the Illinois state fish. This small fish is considered good eating in the Midwest. Well, upon his return, the prince asked his country's agency of fisheries to breed the fish. A few years later, the offspring were released into just one freshwater lake in hopes of developing a new game fish. Well, six decades later, the bluegills have become an invasive species. They are filling Japan's freshwater lakes and rivers and destroying native fish biodiversity. The country tried pushing bluegill sushi and even a bluegill eco-burger in hopes of eating away at the problem, but there was no appetite for either. In 2007, Prince Akihito issued a formal apology for introducing the fish into Japan. He said, my heart aches to see it turned out like this. Well, meanwhile, the problem in the bluegill population kept growing. Well, at long last, they may have come up with a solution. Through some genetic manipulation, they created a variation of the fish that couldn't produce eggs. Now, they just have to win approval to release this frankenfish into the wild. Well, there is some resistance to releasing the sterile bluegills because people fear what the impact may be on the ecosystem. And you know what? They have a point they may be trading one unintended consequence for another. Ain't that always the way? Nanette Florian was formerly a lead singer for the new Christy Minstrels. She lost her hearing completely at age 40. Since she was once dependent on hearing aids and now has a cochlear processor, Nanette understands that music can be distorted and difficult to hear. Well, 
Nanette developed an internet radio format called Hear Music Again. This specially prepared music allows hearing impaired listeners to hear song after song of crisp, clear music 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Can you help our listeners understand the whole process you went through from losing your hearings, the cochlear implant, because this is un- unfamiliar territory for a lot of our folks. Okay. Um, so I was born into a family that had two very strong traits, and one of them is hearing loss, and the other is music. We have a strong musical gene as well. So it's not a great combination. <laughs> but we don't start like having problems until we're around 20. And then we start out with small hearing aids, and then it just gets worse and worse. And then around age 40, I was completely deaf. And then I got this great idea to get a cochlear processor. And that changed everything. Now I can hear the spoken word very well. The problem is that I can't hear music very well through a cochlear processor because it's um, you hear electrically. Like with a hearing aid, you hear naturally. But with a cochlear processor, you hear electronically, and they only give you a certain amount of frequencies to hear through this, what they've given you. And music is huge amount of frequencies. So music is very difficult for people with hearing aids and cochlear processors. You're still composing music. Right, right. You can but you hear can't it. hear it. Well, I still am on key in my head. And I used to be a quite a good singer. People used to say I had perfect pitch. And like Beethoven, when I was growing up, um, there's a picture of me sitting at the grand piano, you know, smiling at my dad. On the wall is that big painting of Beethoven. Mm-hmm. And so we grew up with, with him. Um, and I never realized that it was going to happen to me what happened to this poor guy. So yeah. it, it's like you hear it, right? You hear the music in your head. Still. I do. So just like Beethoven, I never thought I could write music myself because I was always performing other people's music. So I thought, well, I can't perform anymore. I moo like a cow. (laughs) Really. And now I can laugh on it. But for many years, it was really difficult to not be able to do what I used to do best. Uh, But you earned your living as a musician for the 20 years before you went deaf. And yeah. notably with the new Christy Minstrels. Now, right. that's a name very familiar to our age group. Yep. Uh, tell us about that experience. Okay, so um, when I graduated from high school, I wasn't wearing hearing aids. and So that wasn't a part of my life at that time. I um, began a musical duo with our other brother, whose name is William. Mm-hmm. And with our father's help, we um, he co-signed a loan that we bought uh, a 22-foot Coachman double dinette motorhome. So we traveled for about a year and a half. It, it was probably one of the most fun things I ever did. And we would find an agent who would um, spend about a month looking for a job for us. So we ended up in California. And Bill had always... Um, out of the Hartford Current, he cut out an advertisement that the new Christie Minstrels were auditioning. But he tore that out and had that in his wallet for years. So when we got to California, we got we rolled like the Beverly Hillbillies into um, <laughs> Beverly Hills, actually. And it was sort of embarrassing, actually. I remember being 
and Billy uh, got on the phone and called the new Christie Minstrel's office. This is 1976. And he said, we're here. We're ready to audition. And they said they weren't auditioning anybody at that time. So um, Bill, he never takes no for an answer. He told me to put my costume on. We're going in. And I hate that when he does that to me. <laughs> I drag my bass up the stairs. He, he had his guitar. We get into the office, and the office is covered in um, gold records. And the secretary says, kids, we told you not to come. And so I'm sure my brother was thinking of something else to say to, you know, stay and everything. And um, a, a male voice from the back room said, well, how do they look? <laughs> and, and so the secretary says, they're fine. They're good. So he says, I'll send them back. <laughs> so we performed. We did one song. And he said, don't call us. We'll call you. Billy called them all the time <laughs> for about a year. As a matter of fact, Bill became really good friends with this man right up to when he died, you know. So that's how Bill works. <laughs> and then they called us a year later and told us, can you be in Hollywood in two days? And we said yes, and we flew in, and then we were performing with them at the California State Fair within like three days. Wow. Yeah. You had three days to pick up their music catalog, huh? Yeah, it was simple folk stuff, and we faked a lot of it, too. You just make pretend you know what you're doing and <laughs> smile a lot. <laughs> yeah. I would like to hear a little more information about how music sounds to you with a cochlear implant. If you have bad hearing, you only hear a certain amount of frequencies. And like I said, music is loaded with frequencies. So for me, it, so it always sounded like it, someone threw the radio underwater. Hmm. And so this is how my story goes. So we go to a campground in the summer and there are parties and there's always music playing. And most of the time I can't hear what the music is. So this is my story. Once in a while, a song would come through very clearly and I would go, I know what song is playing and I can hear that. And then I would start thinking to myself, why, why can I hear this song? So I kept going and I realized that if I can hear that song, there's other songs that are recorded that I can also hear. So I started collecting them. And that's where, where we get into the story about my radio station, because I put all these songs I've collected on my radio station. The reason I can hear them is they're mostly because they're recorded without reverb. Oh. Ah. Uh. Right. The more instruments playing... And especially guitars, because guitars, there's six strings, and they're all um, resonating, and all those frequencies are bouncing off the walls. Mm -hmm. And the best um, kind of situation is a jazz band, like a quartet. Like on my station, I have Benny Goodman, um, something he recorded in around 1938, and there's just four of them. And it was before reverb, and the recording was very simple. And those are the um, MP3s I look for. Mm-hmm. So that's simple stuff. Um, I listen to thousands of songs, and I've come up with about 800 now. Wow. That are well, yeah. let's, uh, we're, we got a little ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about how you started these stations and what audience you serve. Right. When I first started it, I thought I would be good for um, people with, um, with the cochlear processors, which it is good. I wear the cochlear processor. 
I hear no sound without it. And these stations, for me, it's like song after song after song is clear, clear, clear. And it's just amazing. But they're mostly, um, it starts from 1938 and goes up to 1990. So we're really catering to people our age. I'm 65. And of course, I love all the music that goes all the way back. You know, I love it all. Uh, so how can people access these stations? It's all on your computer or your cell phone. So it's internet radio. It's called hearmusicagain.org. Actually, I have two stations and they're side by side because I, I couldn't mix rock and roll with all the other stuff because there's a lot of people who may not care for the rock and roll. You know, it can get that can get kind of noisy and everything. So how did you find rock and roll without reverb? Good question. I know. It's all about that recording engineer and how we did it. Hmm. That's all I can say. And I, when I look for music, I look for hairstyles. Like, if say I'm looking for Aretha Franklin, and, and she's got a hairstyle that's kind of 70-ish, I won't even bother. <laughs> but if it goes back to the 60s, uh -huh. and the, like the early 60s when she started out, when yeah. she's got her cute Motown bob, you know, I know that that's going to be the best recording of Aretha Franklin. So the further back I go, like 40s hairstyles, oh, that's that's the way to go. That's the best. Mm. Is there a charge for people to listen to your channels? I just opened it up for people. They will become a member, and they would pay two ninety nine a month to listen. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. That's a deal. Yeah. All yeah. the music you want. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worldwide. All these songs shuffle all the time, so it's never the same lineup. And there's musical theater in there, and blues, uh, the blues, the blues and the soul goes with the rock station. So say you're on the first station, and you don't feel like listening to that song. Right next to it, you can you can turn that off and click on the rock, and you might enjoy what's going on there. If I could find another person like myself with uh, the cochlear processor who could start listening to na nowadays mu music these days and curate mm -hmm. out the good stuff, I would add that to my uh, presentation of, of music, you know, on a separate station. Well, I, I think we should send it out there to the people who are listening now uh, that if they have relatives or friends who have cochlear implants and are interested in doing that, uh, yeah, they should get a hold of you. People with hearing aids too, uh -huh. definitely. Yeah, people with a moderate loss. You, you, you people with hearing aids, you may not realize how much you're missing because your hearing is a sneak. It sneakily goes down, and you don't, you don't notice. So you may go on the station and go, "Whoa, this is really." I mean, it's for everyone. It's great music for everyone to listen to because it's just really good recordings. If somebody wants to communicate with you, is there a way to do that on your website? So it would be um, hearmusicagain at gmail.com to email me. I would love to hear from people. Uh, what uh, does your future look like if you look ahead? I don't know what the future is, but I, I mean, this, this music is amazing to me. It brought 
music back into my life. There's got to be other people like myself that it's going to really enhance their lives. So I'm I'm really psyched up about this. I can't I can't think beyond this really. <laughs> like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.